Could inflation be bouncing back in Europe? It just has in France and Spain, and some in the ECB are talking up the path of rates, just like we've been seeing with the Fed, whilst Canada might stay on hold as economic growth comes to a standstill. And Australia retail bounced back in January, but Jerry Harvey has been saying February is a bit rubbish. And NAB is downgrading its GDP forecast for today. We'll explain why. It's Wednesday, the 1st of March, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, bond yields today were up quite a bit in the United States. Ten-year treasuries got up to 3.98%, but the turnaround on that now, they're now down two basis points from yesterday at 3.91%. Two years didn't jump up quite so much. Arguably, that's helped contain the rise and then the turnaround in 10 years. But bigger moves in Europe uh, where German 10-year bonds are up seven basis points, two years up a bit more than that, up to 3.15%. Similar rises for 10 years in France, Italy, Spain, the Netherlands, but not in the UK where yields are just two basis points up. Of course, yields are much higher there, 3.82%. Aussie 10 years, meanwhile, well, they fell a bit yesterday to 3.85%, but four basis points higher than that on futures overnight. Stocks have had a mixed day in the United States, but they finished down. The Dow lost 0.7% at close. The S&P dropped a third of 1%, and the Nasdaq down 0.1%, having been up over 0.6% earlier in the session. In Europe, it's all down. Three quarters of a percent fall in the FTSE 100 and a quarter percent drop in the Euro stocks 50. The US dollar is up a quarter percent on the DXY index. The pound has lost its gains from yesterday and is down 0.3%. Same for the euro. The Aussie down to 67.3 US cents. And oil bouncing right back up again. WTI oil has paired its, uh, its, its gains a little bit later in the session. But WTI up 1.7%, Brent up 1.8% at 84 a barrel now. And Gavin Friend joins me today from NAB in London. Uh, so those European bond yields pushing higher, no doubt, reflecting the inflation numbers we've seen ahead of the main one tomorrow. But we, we know that inflation in France has ticked higher from 6% in January up to 6.2% in February. Spain has gone from 5.9% up to 6.1%, all going the wrong way. We get CPI for Germany today and, of course, the euro area tomorrow. So should we be worried? Is there this expectation that across Europe, inflation is kicking back in again? Mm. Morning, Phil. Um, I would start off by saying it's a day of two halves. We had that punch up in the uh, in the yields, um, down in the dollar, as you say, um, all of that kind of reversing in, in our afternoon trade. But to the point, I think that, 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 that lives with us, doesn't it? it? It's been the story of markets as February comes to a close. You know, a story of higher inflation and stronger growth, which is powering yields in the US and the Eurozone higher. Uh, and to your point, on Tuesday, um, higher French and Spanish harmonized CPI. French inflation hit 7.2% uh, annualized, a new high. And it was surprising because it wasn't really energy. It was food and core inflation, the drivers. Inflate, actually, energy was lower thanks to base effects and petrol being lower. Spanish inflation releases don't actually carry much detail. But although you know at 6.1% versus a forecast 5.7% annualized, that's well below the, sort of the, the headline peak that we've seen in Spain of 10.7%. Um, the core was up two tenths to a new high of 7.7%. It's the core that will be a concern to the ECB. Um, you know, they, they are worried about, I think they, 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 
understand and acknowledge that headline inflation will come lower, base effects will kick in as we go for the next few months. It's the issue of wage uh, inflation coming through, second round effects, you know, the way that wage bargaining takes place in Europe, uh, in theory, suggests that it could be with us. If, if, if higher wages do come through, they will be with us for longer just because of the way that they're, um, they're bargaining through. And so that, that, that's the issue they're facing. I would say that we've got, you know, markets, you know, we're pricing a peak in ECB rates of, of just above 3%. They're now knocking on the door of 4%. Yeah, which is actually the high, the highest it's ever been. Actually, I mean, if it gets up, if that is the terminal rate, that's the highest the ECB has has ever been. Indeed, it, and the question that people are asking themselves is, is what what breaks at that kind of level? And people then look nervously at Italy. <laughs> you know, the spread mm. between Germany and Italy is actually quite contained, but but of course, Italian yields are going up with the rest of them. So we yeah. we don't know. We don't know what breaks. Um, two or three months ago, we'd have said the eurozone economy couldn't have withstood this. But we know that the terms of trade shock, the external shock from the from the war in Ukraine, has has basically gone. That terms of trade shock has gone, and growth is now coming back. We talked last week, I think, about the eurozone PMIs, the service sector, of which we're going to get reminded this Friday, up at fifty three. That's stronger than the US. You know, mm. so it's that combination of um, sort of stubborn core inflation plus growth coming back which therefore feeds higher interest rates and markets think that economies can withstand it i think we've got well, further to go to play this out we're gonna you know before the ecb a 50 basis points hike is nailed on for march then there's no meeting in april and there'll be two more cpi or hicp inflation reports before they, they meet and they reevaluate policy for May. I think there's a way to go yet. We need to see how this plays out before we start rushing into thinking that European rates are actually going to 4%. So will they go to 50? So Philip Lane was talking to Reuters yesterday. He said a fair number of quarters over a longer lasting period. So he was sort of like saying, well, maybe not 50, but it's going to last a lot longer. So, you know, obviously the but, idea that we're going to see rates fall this year, I mean, everyone's forgotten about that now, haven't they? Well, it, yeah, that, that would seem to be the case. Um, and that's not just, you know, that's in the US, it's, it's mm. everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that story of stubborn inflation. I think he's making the point, don't forget, if Philip Lane comes from the Dovish camp, he's making that point that we're going to have to stay the course for longer. He's not really talking about how high yields go at this stage. There will be, as I say, a protracted debate on that a little bit further out. And yeah. if headline inflation does come down in the next, uh, you know, three or four months, then then perhaps they can be a little bit a little bit cooler about the whole thing. But it really depends on what's going on with wages. You would imagine if headline comes down, gradually it drags the core, and actually those higher wage settlements won't, you know, won't need to come through. But we need to see that. We need to see how this plays out. Now, I have to eat my words for doubting you over Rishi Sunak getting his Northern Ireland deal sorted out. I mean, obviously, the unionists want to sit on it for a bit, but it does look like that deal is done, isn't it? I guess we've, we've seen most of the market response to that. I mean, it is good for Northern Ireland. Uh, generally, though, for the UK, I mean, it's not going to materially change the economy, is it, unless we see more following on from it? Well, that's the whole thing, isn't it? It starts to, as, as Sally, I think, was... Uh was 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 suggesting yesterday, you know, it, it starts to make um, you know investors and observers think. Well, a lot of bad stuff has happened to the UK over the last few months and the last few years since Brexit. Really, investment has fallen away relative to investment in the US and the eurozone. Trade is starting to become a drag. And if you're now saying that, that that this deal goes through and it will go through because 
Rishi Sunak has the support of the, the opposition Labour Party to get it through. That makes him, if he has to rely on that, it makes him, you know, unpopular with some of his uh, some of his own MPs. But it's for the good of the country. If we're now starting to say that dr- that trade will become less of a drag, Europe will be falling over itself to help the UK you know, close up this relationship because it works for everybody. Joe Biden already out on the airwaves talking about, you know, some good stuff that will come from him. Investment will pick up. It's going to take time. Sterling has been incredibly cheap and it's been locked in a, in a, in a tight range since Brexit. So we can start to see Sterling gradually explore some higher ground. It's going to take a while, but it's not a negative. Right. Actually, it's not bound by that now. No, absolutely. So, and that's all good, isn't it? What I did love was Rishi Sunak. uh, uh, He didn't realise the irony of what he was saying when he was saying, isn't it great that businesses now in Northern Ireland can trade freely with the rest of the UK as well as with Europe without actually recognising that the whole of the UK (laughs) could do that before Brexit. But anyway, uh, look, in, uh, in the US, the Conference Board Consumer Confidence Read came out lower than expected. 108.5 was the expectation, which would have uh, been an increase on 106 for January, which itself was a a downward revision. Uh, But it's not risen from that. It's actually gone the opposite way. It's actually down to 102.9. And it's being dragged down not by the present situation, which is holding up fairly well, but by expectations, which has moved down from 76 down to 69.7. So quite a big fall. So that is the sort of thing that obviously obviously uh, is reflected in spending behaviour and it is the sort of thing that could bring on a, a recession. So it's not a good number. Yeah, the unfortunate thing about this uh, influential report is it didn't really give you much colour as to what is driving those forward, uh, more depressed expectations. The, the, the strange thing is the net jobs plentiful index actually jumped, uh, which which seems you know counterintuitive to what the, the headlines of the survey are saying. But the very idea that things are getting worse down the line is exactly what you'd expect, given what is coming down the line in terms of monetary policy. Um, and I think if you look at some of the detail that talked about is now a good time to plan to buy or, or that your plans to spend money over the next six months on cars down quite a long way. Major appliances down quite a long way. Houses down. It's all telling you the way that the economy ought to be going. The Fed should look at this and go, well, that's yeah. what we want, isn't it? That's, that's what we're trying yeah, to achieve. You know? Look, uh, Canada's, well, talking about it, it looks like uh, it's been achieved in Canada if, if part of it is, is moderating GDP because GDP out overnight, the annual rate for Q4, uh, it was expected to fall from 2.3% down to 1.5%, but it actually fell to zero and uh, minus 0.1% month on month for December, uh, only up marginally for, for January. Uh, the Canadian dollar down almost a third of 1%, and uh, presumably that means the Bank of Canada is going to stick with uh, having things on pause uh, because maybe job done. Uh, the Australian GDP today, look, I mean, we uh, NAB has downgraded its forecast a little, hasn't it? It has, yeah. I mean, so this is the GDP for, for Q4. Um, yeah, the partials released over the last few days have come in a little softer. So that's why NAB has pulled back from a, an initial 0.8 Q1Q rise to 0.6. Looking at the contributions to that, net exports, you know, always there, adding, expected to add something like 1.1 percentage points, you know, though a little softer than the sort of consensus of 1.3 percentage points. Solid, you know, the result of the positive terms of trade, the iron ore prices, those kinds of things, that will partly be offset. Like people are large, negative drag from inventories, um, public sector final demand will be adding in a small positive. I mean, all of this is backward looking, of course, but we should remember 
Australian GDP, you know, is 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 very is stellar compared to its sort of G10 peers. You know, you look at growth on growth growth on a levels basis. Australia, alongside New Zealand, are really punching the lights out compared to the likes of the US, Eurozone, UK. It's just worth remembering that. The focus, though, I think, on this report uh, won't be on GDP per se. It'll likely be on what does it say about uh, labour market uh, considerations, average earn- compensation, average earnings, unit labour costs. I mean, these can be volatile uh, on a quarterly basis, but th- th- they should could show the sort of broader measures of earnings outpacing what we saw in the um, in the in the wage price index data um, sort of a week or so ago. So I think that's where the focus is going to be. Yes, the RBA is, is signalling it's going it's got a couple more, a few more rate hikes yet. Mm. And that's why people are going to be focused on the labour market comp- components of that. Right. Now, we also had retail sales for Australia yesterday. That saw, as we expected, retail sales pick up in January, but actually more than expected, up 1.9% month on month. Uh, but what happens next? Well, we know uh, that Harvey Norman, their interim profit fell 15%. They saw quite a marked fall in February. So maybe that is what, what is to come. Jerry Harvey, though, quoted in the AFR saying Australia is not going into recession. He says we need interest rates above 8 or 10% to get that and an unemployment rate of 8 or 10%. Well, we're not going to get that, hopefully. Uh, we uh, do get the uh, monthly CPI indicator today, though, from the uh, ABS and then China's PMI data later on today and the US ISM manufacturing survey. So they are two big numbers to look out for today. Yeah, of course, and this all plays into the sort of, you know, positive round of PMIs that we've been seeing over the last few months, progressively uh, positive, particularly in the service sector. So markets will be looking on that, taking a steer from from those Chinese numbers. Um, And then, as you say, you know, the manufacturing numbers out of Europe, they're they're, they're still showing a contraction. Really, the focus there is going to be on Friday service sector numbers. But we're going to get inflation from Germany, and that's going to give us Another little signal, and from Belgium. Germany could be a little bit higher, Belgium a little bit easier. All goes into the mix with those French and Spanish numbers for the Eurozone number uh, out on Thursday. Yeah, bit going on, isn't there? Thanks for all of that, Gavin. Cheers, Phil. And that's the morning call for today, for this Wednesday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow. See you then.